Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Game Design Chat, hosted by members of the uh, Knoxville Game Design Meetup Group. Uh, this month, our chat group, we're going to talk about Barony Cursed Edition. Next month, it's going to be Halloween. We're going to play a classic indie horror game. Um, does break our $15 limit, but we decided most of us had this on um, bundles and things like that anyway. And it might go on sale with Halloween coming up anyway. Uh, but we're going to play Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Uh, there's a couple of Amnesia games. There was Amnesia and Machine for Pigs, and um, I think there's some DLC. So we're just going to strictly limit what we're going to talk about to Amnesia The Dark Descent, which is the first Amnesia game uh, in the Amnesia series, but the game that the Frictional Studios made after Penumbra um, on that, which sort of set off an indie horror trend. Um, so... It may seem very tropish when we play it, but that understand because it's like they define these tropes and um, or at least re updated them and revitalized the horror genres. So that's going to be our next one. Uh, so I just want to remind everyone um, when you're listening to these podcasts, these are discussing the games through the lens of game design. We are breaking apart systems and mechanics and we are looking at things in detail. They excuse me, many times we often will come off sounding much more critical and much more negative than we would if we were reviewing the game. We're not reviewing the game. Um, many of the games we can have fun and enjoy, but when you start to tease apart the systems and then you just get on a rant about like how annoying this one little system was, it can come off sounding bad. So um, especially this message, if the developer ever listens to a podcast on their game, uh, we're trying to do constructive criticism here, not reviews. We're not really making a commentary on the value of the game or whether or not you should buy it uh, on that. So today with me, I've got Levi. Hello. And Dylan. Hi. So we're running um, light uh, from the other members, so hopefully they'll, they'll pick back up. Um, before we get going, a uh, game or something that you've just been doing lately just to warm up, yeah, so uh, there's been a few that I've been playing. Got into playing a little bit more games lately. I imported a game about a year ago. It's called Ryugago Toku Yume Kaneishi Mono 5, which is known here in the United States as the Yakuza series. So I imported, okay. I imported that about a year ago, and it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto in Tokyo, but it has a little bit more story to it. So I can read Japanese like at a first grade level. I can make my way through the menus and play through the game. But I felt like I was missing so much of the story playing the imported version in Japanese. So uh, last December, it came out on the PlayStation Network as Yakuza it's a 5. PS Plus, right? Yes, PlayStation Plus. So, it's on my list now to play. So I bought it then for $59.99. And like a couple of months ago, I found out, oh, now it's free. <laughs> so, so I basically paid for it twice when it eventually came out for free. So I've really been enjoying that, trying to uh, get caught up with that game. I bought Attack on Titan for the PlayStation 4, which is another Koei game, which also makes Dynasty Warriors. So it is similar to Dynasty Warriors, not as much hack and slash. You have fewer of these Titan enemies where you can attack their limbs, and the final objective is to like slap slash the nape at the back of their head. And it's got a few different objectives in it, and I really like it. It seems to follow the Attack on Titan anime really well. 
Uh, I really wasn't a fan of the anime. It was okay, but it seems like the characters were like too bland for me in that anime. But I like the game. It's, it's pretty good. Also played a little bit of Saints Row Get Out of Hell again. I think I saw that on your list. You might have played I it I popped it in and checked it out, yeah. So this is a game. I really like the Saints Row series, like Saints Row the third. And the fourth one got a little bit wacky, like when they're fighting the aliens and you're the president and I, all that. Yeah, so I always describe it as three decided that when you play like a GTA game, there's a pretense of real and gritty, yeah. but we all just end up getting a rocket launcher and standing out in the middle of the street and blowing up a bunch of stuff. And so Saints Row 3 decided to lean into that instead of trying to like pretend there was a more serious note to it. It has like the mayors, Burt Reynolds and crazy things like that. And then 4 decided what you really want to be is a superhero anyway. Yeah. So they, they create a, a you can jump over like, buildings and you can fly. And they all have that. a matrix like conceit, yeah. right? Where the aliens have abducted you and they've inserted you into the matrix. So that's why you have the powers you have. Um, I think they're both really good games, especially as a game designer of like going in and just saying, what do people really do in our game? What do they want to do? And leaning in that direction and leaving the ego out a bit and saying, um, I want this game to be about something, but nobody actually plays a GTA game for the criminal drama. You know, yeah. like that's not what's selling the game, even though they act like it's the drama and the storytelling of why people are buying GTA games. Um, now I will say like, yeah, four gets wonky. I recommend if you're going to do these play three, then play four Yes, because there's a lot of callbacks, uh, from one to the other. And you also have to understand at the time THQ was going bankrupt who owned Volition, who was making the game. And this started out as a DLC two, three, and then it was like, we need another title, so make this. It kind of felt like these were cash-ins. Yeah, make this another thing. Not by volition, the developers, more by the studio of, like, we're trying to do anything we can do to stay afloat. Um, because these are basically just, like, reskins of Saint Ro Saints Rose 3. Yeah. And uh, so I really enjoyed Saints Rose the third and the fourth one, but then they had, like, two or three uh, expansion packs to four. One was like gangsters in space or something. So I played through all that. Seems like there was another one after that. Uh, then Christmas, went, save Christmas, I think. Something like that. And then finally, Gat Out of Hell came out, which I really like Johnny Gat, the character. I think he died in Saints Row the third or yes. four, one yeah, of the, them. The, the truth is, the actor that plays him, um, which is a big name actor. And Johnny Youngbosch? No, um, uh, Asian actor action star i can't remember the truth is he was shooting other films oh, at the okay. time that they were recording so he could come in do a little bit of dialogue didn't have a lot of time so they did just enough in three to have a setup that he dies because that's where you there. jump out of the airplane yeah. out of the back and the plane blows up and you assume he dies and you assume he dies on yeah. it and they left it just enough open so that when they did four the voice actor had time again to come back Oh, okay. um, and so, so that's what that's the real story behind that. So I really liked the Johnny Gat character, but at that time I'd played so much Saints Row 4. I was like, okay, I need a Saints Row break yeah. for about a year. So I was like, okay, now I'm kind of into it again and 
be a good time to play that one. But yeah, basically it's a reskin of Steelport and basically you're in hell or somewhere. Right. So just played a little bit of that, trying to get into it. Um, I've been developing, so we did the Ludum Dare 36 a couple of weekends ago. And I developed the warm-up. It was called Space to Destroy. It's my first twin-stick shooter. And my characters turned out to be robots. I mean, it seems like whenever I start modeling something in Blender, they always turn out to be robots. But never done a twin-stick shooter before. Figured out how to get the aiming working with the second control stick in Unity. It takes a little bit of a setup, but it wasn't too hard. And then for Ludum Dare, I actually developed a Zelda-like game called Ancient Adventure. You're playing like this Egyptian dog, half-dog, half-human demigod creature, and you're supposed to collect all these artifacts, and you become Become the supreme being of the world after that. So, uh, submitted that. I'm continuing to develop that uh, over the past few weeks as well, trying to make it a little bit better. Something that my, I may be able to actually sell on marketplaces. So, that's about all I had uh, that I've been doing. All right, cool, Dylan. How? Um, as far playing? as gaming goes, I mostly Overwatch. What little I've done gaming other than you know i actually played more of barony um this time around than i have previous um previous uh, game of the months just because it's really easy to sit down take a few minutes you know get done you know it's not a huge time commitment um other than that um i submitted a game for let em dare which was uh 36 which was kind of this puzzle game where you would drop Ancient technology, the art style didn't end up going that way. Ancient technology on this grid and, you know, uh, have different pieces interact with each other. Um, And so I've actually been kind of taking that and not necessarily fleshing out the game right now, but building some components to see if I can't make it a little bit easier to turn around and put this on mobile at some point, you know, kind of fleshing out some of the UI, making the UI a little more modular, maybe looking at making a level editor. So that's pretty much it. Um, my London Dare game, uh, Cave Escape, it, uh, we tried one idea, made it with the family again, and that was an overcomplicated idea that I couldn't get them to abandon until midway through the jam. So it's just a very simple... You're in a cave and it's a maze and, and you work your way out. And then on top of that, we added some narrative elements and um, some other little pieces to try to create the atmosphere uh, and imply more systems exist. Um, I've watched a number of people play that through and it seems like, you know, we get a chuckle at the end with our last little joke and it's like, all right, you know, that, that seems to be, well, I'm probably not going to clean it up or do anything with it. Um but I do have some ideas after Barony about 3D textures and things I may begin trying uh, with that. Because I kind of think their art style is attainable. Um, and I have some ideas about like adding like a normal map or a height map to the basic Minecraft textures. And then maybe getting something unique. Or it may just look terrible and I may just abandon it. But um, I go that route. At least something to experiment Game-wise, I did check out Gata Hell a little bit. Um, I thought that was supposed to be different than the Saints series. Um, and I just, I don't know how I got this in my head. I thought that Gat of the Hell was Johnny Gat escaping from hell and took place between games three and four. Yeah. Um, 
And it takes place after four. So if you're going to play Get Out of Hell, finish four, because big spoilers right at the start of, in fact, we're doing Saints Row on the Let's Play channel, and I had to make sure John, my partner on the Let's Play channel, didn't see any of the Get Out of Hell stuff, because we talked about maybe doing that for Halloween. And I had to like make sure you didn't see any of it because there would be big spoilers to the ending of um, Saints Row 4 in that. And uh, I mean, it's not like it's a super heavy story game where the spoilers would ruin it for you, but there's still some good chuckles that I think you would lost in that. Um, but yeah, it straight up turned out to be another Saints Row game. So uh, it may sit there. I may jump back into it. I don't know. I started like regionally taking over some areas and locking some stores. But it um, seems to be less. I like how it's open-ended. You can pretty much jump in, do whatever you want to do, check out the things on the map. Hey, I want to go shoot 50 aliens, or I want to go take over this. I mean, it seems But to it be- seems to have less, like, customization shops and variants. Because yeah. you're, you're locked into playing one of two story characters now. You're not creating your own character. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so... That appeals to me a little less, although you can play either character, so it bounces back and forth. The characters are not bad, at least. They picked Kinsey and Johnny Gat, which are two of my favorite characters from the series. Like, if it had been, like, Pierce or King or somebody, it was like, they're kind of more background story characters to me. Their personalities aren't as sharp and as comically defined, you know? Uh, as as those other two are. So these names mean nothing to me, and it's hilarious to hear you say stuff like that about a game where you're the president fighting aliens <laughs> in the matrix. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's what it is. I mean, it is what it is. Um, the game that I have sunk a lot of time into, uh, and actually I bought Overwatch, and it stopped me from like I got the disc, and I went to pop it in, and I was like, I don't want to play. It. I'm gonna play uh, Dragon's Dogma. So Dragon's Dogma has been on my list because I know um, it has, um, it comes up in Souls, Dark Souls discussions as, as something else you might be interested in if you like the Souls games. But the time it came out is very early in the Dark Souls um, games coming out. So it's development history and all that. It can't be openly aping anything from Dark Souls, even as inspiration, because it's like the time wouldn't have been there for it to put in there. But it was going for a darker fantasy third-person game where the combat is less Dragon Age-y type RPG combat of like, you know, you got your ability, usability, usability, and more into character action. I have to block and time parries, and I have a strong attack and a weak attack, and I have different weapon modes that I can go into and move sets. So you get a lot more diversity uh, in it. It's gained a cult following, and it's got a cult following for the reason um, of it has a very unique party mechanic that I don't think I know to exist in any other game, and it's worth checking out. It's also a PlayStation Plus game you may already own. Uh, it was a PlayStation 3 free one for Dark Arisen. And Dark Arisen is basically collector's edition, has all the DLC of Dragon's Dogma. Um, also available on Steam. The Dark Arisen also came out with a Steam port. It was just like a PlayStation console-only title. Um, so I'm playing on PlayStation 3 because I'm playing my free version. Why wouldn't you? Um, in fact, you might as well because the engine is so low-tech that they put the cinematic black bars at the top and bottom on it 
the entire time you play the game, just not in cutscene, just to cut down the amount of rendering it has to do um, to keep a good frame rate, right? And it's so annoying because you just want them off because the HUD is covering so much of the gameplay. Now, you can turn the HUD off, but the HUD actually does a very context-sensitive thing. So, like, when you go into different weapon modes of showing you what your options are. And since your leveling up allows you to change your buttons, like, I don't want this ability, I don't use it. Put here this ability, or I'm going to level up that ability. You know, it has a pretty deep um, system out of simple parts, right? So you have mage, um, fighter, and uh, ranger as base classes, and then you have advanced classes of those, and then you have hybrids of those as, like, archetypes. But then, each with each one of them, you get your attribute points, but instead of leveling up your character, you choose to buy skills. So you can, you know, choose to ignore whole trees and paths and things like that and just enhance the way that fits your playstyle. Um, and then remap the buttons. So, like, I don't want to waste a button to a skill I'm not going to use. That's really cool. But the party system. So, they call them pawns. So, this is, it, the game is somewhere between Dragon Age and Dark Souls. So, you sort of have this Dark Souls combat system happening, but it's not super Dark Souls-y, you're going to die over and over again type thing. It's actually fairly forgiving. Um, the quest systems are more like Dragon Age, okay? So, you have explicit quests, markers on a map to go to, and it's kind of open-worldy. Uh, more so than Dragon Age was. Like, you can literally walk from place to place. But it's still Dragon age of, like, you get to Dinnerum, there's a whole bunch of quests in the region of Dinnerum to do. You, you know, so you get to a town, there's a whole bunch of quests in the town to do, and you move on to the next town, and you're probably not going back to the previous region. Um, so, you have, your party member are made up of what they call pawns. And unlike Dragon Age, your pawns have no bearing in the story whatsoever. So these are not like in Dragon Age. You've got like Liliana and um, uh, Alistair. And, you know, you've got like these named characters that have stories and loyalty missions and things like that. You know, like in Mass Effect, you know, same thing, you know, uh, with Tali and Liara and things like that you have in there. This is not a Bioware game where your party is also independent story NPCs. They're just random NPCs, okay, that you can get in there. So you get one pawn that is your pawn, right? You go through the full character creator to make this person, okay? Pick from the talents that I just talked about. They level up like you do. Um, there are a couple things that are blocked off, like they can't be a hybrid, okay? Uh, they have to be a base class or an advanced version of a base class. The character creator, by the way, lets you create... A 12-year-old teen girl, 12-year-old tween, if that's what you want. Like That's so wrong. <laughs> it, it's hilarious when the cutscenes play and you realize, like, this could have been your stereotypical 25-year-old edgelord dude with his, you know, super armor and all that. And instead, it's, I made my character that we're going to do on the channel, Punky Brewster, right? I named her pawn, Brendan, uh, Brandon, excuse me which is the dog's name, which is Punky's dog's name, right? And if I can name another one, it'll be Henry, which is the guy she lives with. Um, and we sort of had fun with it because the character creator, like Saints Row, allows all extremes. There's nothing that is gender, so every hairstyle can be applied to anyone. 
there's very liberal height and weight um, adjusters, so you can be overweight, you can be super muscular, you can be out of shape. You know, you can. I love that. I love like let me like actually go crazy with it. And if I want to make Shrek, I should be able to make Shrek. You know, which I saw a pond that looked like Shrek the other day. So. That's one problem I had with the Make Human Modeler, which is a great free tool for making models for your game. But it is kind of limited how much you can move those sliders over. Remove those constraints, you know? Like, <clears throat> Well, you got to have some limits if you got clothing, if right. you got a guy that's too big for the clothes and you're going to see the clipping and everything. And yeah, you do, you do have to limit for the engine. But there's also points of like, you know... And of course, if you want to get really crazy and make you know, 13-year-old girl with really giant breasts, that's in there, you know, and players are going to do that. But I, I'm going to err on the side of, like, leave off the constraints, let the players do what they want, you know. Um, so we, we made uh, we made Brendan be a giant, like, eight-foot-tall guy. Um, decently muscular, like, waist and chest. Skinny little rail arms and legs, more dog-like is what they kind of did, has giant golden ponytails that come down to his shoulders and gave him this highest-pitched Alvin and the Chipmunks voice um, that even cracked us up when just randomly he would say something in combat and we had forgotten he had the Alvin voice. Um... Didn't know what I was doing to poor Brandon, okay? Because I didn't understand when people talk about this pawn system, what they're talking about. You have one that's your main. You can have a party of four at any given time. The other two you can hire, okay? There's a currency system in the game just for hiring pawns. But any pawn at your level is free. So any pawn at your level or below is free. Paying above your level is what you pay for. So it's almost like the game telling you, like, you can save this currency for other things or really big, important things. We really don't want you spending this on breaking the game for yourself by taking somebody five levels higher into the dungeon. But what you can do is there's NPC pawns all over you can pick up. But you can play an online mode. And then there's a straight-up search interface. Pumping the stats, level, whatever you're looking for and you go into like this um limbo waiting room zone it's just they like, call it a rift it's just a void area with the cloudy ground and then you just put in the pump in the search and then they just start walking in from the out outer edge of the screen like 15 different pawns and then you can just choose who do you want in your party you can look at their gear their stats and it's really cool because it's like, I need, um, for the party I want, I want a mage, but I want a mage who's actually, like I said, so there's just a mage class, but I want a mage where somebody focused their pawn on healing abilities, right? Because um, Brendan, we made um, a, a, uh, a ranger, right? And then I upgraded him to strider, and I've been focusing on his bow abilities, because I prefer to melee. So Punky Brewster's on the front lines, you know, with her giant tower shield and mace and just wrecking guys. Um, and then Brennan's back there with the bow, doing the Legolas thing, notching three arrows at once and shooting in there. And it's just like, I need a mage that heals and will buff my weapons um, from, from the out. And then I want a second tank is the party makeup that I want. So I go in there. And then, of course, I realize as I start searching just how many... 13-year-old girl pawns there are. And of course, it's like in retrospect, 
See, what you're searching on is other people's main pawns. Okay. So you can have an NPC pawn, but you can bring another player's actual pawn into the game. The advantage of doing so is they have better gear. Because you, you, it's your pawn. You twink your pawn. You upgrade their gear. You specialize their stats. They're better than a random rolled NPC pawn. And they have a purpose and a design. Um, and, you know, maybe you've tried to make them look like Shrek. Or maybe you've gone lolly with it. Like many, 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 many have. And I almost got to the point where I was turning off the female filter just to have some option of variety to show up. Um I mean, in retrospect, like, okay, this is obvious. I get it. I get what's going, you know, like, this is what the community's going to do. And to, I'm still like, let them do what they do. Although it got worse when I was online in forums, because I was trying to figure out how do I make sure my pawn is eligible to be um, hired. But they don't use the word hired in the forums, even though the game refers to it as hiring a pawn. And that's what you're doing. They use the term renting. And then they'll just talk about the gender of the pawn. So you got these statements of like, oh, yeah, just go find the girl and then just rent her for a little bit. And then that way you can um, give her the gift and then, you know, use her for an hour or two if you want. But you don't have to. And then just go back and you can rent her again like 10 times in an hour. And then you have to save before if you gift more than 10 times or something like and you don't save it, that then you these don't get carried over. Like there's a max of 10. Um, gifts that can queue up to a pawn. The gift system is designed so that, I mean, I'm playing it the way I kind of want to play it, which is I got my crew together, got my little party together, right? Got a healing mage, you know, uh, she was a 13-year-old girl in the back, yes. Uh, got another tank, which was a 13-year-old boy, just for variety. And I was just like, I just need to mix this up, okay? Um... And then we went into a dungeon, and then I did a bunch of side quests. And I ended up spending like five hours with the group. The thing is, is the pawns, other than your main, do not level. So I got them all when I was 15, and now I'm level 20. And they're still level 15. So they're actually dying a lot now to the areas we're in when we're not, because Brendan and Punky are leveled at a point where they can deal with it, but the game is sort of actively encouraging, like, no, 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 you don't play your quests with them. They're supposed to be transitory. So you go back, and when you release them, a little thing pops up, and it's like you can rate them on appearance, which I wish they wouldn't put in, uh, combat and overall effectiveness, you know, combat design or something. Like, their abilities, that's what it is, combat and abilities. Like, how will they do in combat? Because there's also training you can do. Like, I prefer you aid me before, like, taking down the big creature. Or I prefer you attack the strongest first, you know? So, depending on their abilities and how you behave the act can make a better pawn in combat, right? If you've got the right matchup of, you don't want a healing maid attacking the biggest creature, right? So there's a little bit of a rating system to say, um, yeah, you well-designed architecture. Of course, there's an appearance rating. And that's, that's where I was back to like, oh, I don't realize what we've done to poor Brendan. Because you're going to get this eight-foot-tall, squeaky, high-voiced, ponytail, golden locks down to his skinny little arm shoulders. And they don't know it's supposed to be Punky Brewster's dog. You're not going to have Punky there. If you dig in a menu, you'll see that Punky is his his owner. Like, this is the master or whatever I think they call it in the game. 
But most aren't going to. That's not. That's like such a daring thing. I would not get that reference. No, yeah. that's the other thing. That's a very old reference. Like Punky Brewster did not survive into the nineties. Okay, like Punky Brewster. We talked about this like, when we were multiplayer. Yeah, Punky I remember Brewster's the cartoon. Was, I, I saw the cartoon version when she had Grimly or whatever the little hamster, yeah. magical hamster oh, companion. Yeah. I that never saw the live version. Of late eighties. Okay, like Punky didn't make it until like nineteen ninety. Punky Brewster was done before 1990. Um, so the reference there is going to be hard. And it was never like a heavily syndicated. It's a really just cheesy, by the numbers, 80s children sitcom. Cute little plucky girl, lives with old, upset man. It's the odd couple. Send it out again, you know? But the jokes can only be so high because it's aimed at kids. I loved it. I watched a ton. I talked a ton of history of Punky Brewster when we were on there of just how this came <laughs> back to me. Um, I think I found that version through like looking up 80s sitcoms, like intro themes and things like that. I was like, oh, yeah, there really is a live action version of Punky Brewster. But I don't think like the old man and the dog, the dog may have been in the cartoon version. I can't remember. I don't know. It's yeah. been so long. The dog was big in the sitcom. The dog was big in the live action, but it might have been her magical hamster with I her pet so. um, going forward there. But it's a really cool system um, because I'm constantly waiting to like check back in and see did anyone take Brandon out? You know, did they use him in his party? What rating did he get? And when you send him back, you can also give him a gift. Now I read online. Don't really worry about the gifts because the problem is, I was like, anything worthy of gifting, um, it's not, it's something I need, you know, at this yeah. level. So, and most people are like, don't worry about it. Like, this is what high levels do. High levels go in and they um, hire, I'm not going to say rent, they hire your pawn and then they give it a bunch of good gear and then they send it back. You know, and then you get a palm with a bunch of good gear that you can either use yourself or not. You know, just people want to help people. I believe if you build a game to where it allows this kind of helping, that will trump any weird trolling thing where, like, yeah, people just aren't going to, like, unload a bunch of trash on there because, you know, they also want their pawn to receive good gear and things like that. You know, so there's, like, a community of, like, treating them right which is weird when you're reading that on the forums and they're talking about like yeah if you treat other people's pawns right you know they'll treat your pawns i'm like this is getting creepy i'm gonna back away from the forums and just play with the game mechanic because i like it at that and i'm not into the community that is still playing this game three years after it came out you know that's the hd version or whatever right like this game is is fairly old um, it, it had middling reviews. It got like sevens and eights. So it's not a terrible game. It just, it's not an amazing game. So it's just another seven, you know, like, Hey, no reason that makes game of the year. Right. So, um, it's just hard for these like decent, but not great games. Uh, to, yeah. to stick. I've never heard of Dragon's Dogma until you brought it up the other day. So it's like totally off my radar. I wouldn't so. have known about it unless it's gotten the Dark Souls. And yeah. people were like, oh, you might also like. It must have not have got a lot of press. I don't, I don't think it did because it didn't have like the blockbuster numbers, you know. That's a Capcom game. So oh. one interesting thing that they do um, is you can uh, name your pawn anything you want. So to handle language filter, 
what they do is if you have parental controls turned on on your PlayStation, there's the name you give it and then a name you pick from a list of names, Mm. right? So then they give you a list of like 20 or so names per um, letter and you just cycle down and you pick, you know, like, okay, well, then Brandon is also Brent, I think is the closest we could get. Um, that sounds like wrestling games where you can give your character any name, but they can't like, voice act every voice act every single name. And the so that's you in pick English. the name that we act. Yeah, that. so you pick the name that the announcer actually uses, like the superstar or something like that. Yeah, so I think that's a clever way rather than trying to put asterisks into things that may or may not actually be um, offensive. Like sometimes they overmatch on things that aren't offensive, but it just looked like it, so they asterisked out part of your name. Um, I think it's a better way to do it. But because it's a Capcom game, in the list are all the Street Fighters. <laughs> you want to be Jury. You want to be um, uh, Blanca. Blanca. Be Honda. Yeah, yeah, they're all in there too. And Bison. Yeah, because it's a Capcom game. Uh, or I, I don't think this is the developers for Capcom. I think they published it. Um, but I, I just thought that was nice. I just like seeing that. Like, oh, it's a, yeah, it's a Capcom game. So I'm going to see pawns that are constantly popping up with Street Fighter names. Um, and then, of course, it becomes a thing of like, how well did you do, Blanca? You know, like, did you just <laughs> pick the name or did you really go in the character creator and like, this is this is this works. Congratulations. I agree with the, the outfit and everything. Like, did you get deep into it. Um, that's where the rating thing could be fun uh, versus that. But um, the other thing is when you walk into the area where... Um, there's a stone that allows you to go into the rift to hire and release the pawns. There are pawns from players spawned in around the area. So you could just, you don't even have to go into the rift to do it. You could just walk by and like, hey, who's this? Talk to, let me see your information. Oh, you know what? You're hired. Come along. Um, I find it's better to go into search criteria and find exactly what I'm looking for and look at exactly the abilities I want. But I'm a max minner. I'm not somebody who just does it randomly. I could see, I don't really care, but I want four people in my party. So that looks interesting. Who's this person? Okay, you work. Come on. Um, that type of gameplay, it works. But the flip side is the audience that's still playing it now is all of a sudden you walk into an area of the town and all of a sudden there's like 20, 13-year-old little girls walking around oh, no. all decked out in armor and everything. And you're like, okay, there's going to be a rift stone around here somewhere because that's when the game loads them in. Uh, <laughs> So there's, I think it's really clever. I think it's a really cool way of having an online component without like an asynchronous online component, you know, without having to have like online competitive or online co-op. We're still sharing it. I look forward to like when I log in and I see like, hey, he got a gift and a rating. Somebody thought his appearance is garbage. And it's like, oh, well. In fact, I re-went, I thought I could remake the whole thing. I paid like 3,000 gold in game to like redo uh, the character creator, but they don't let you redo the base body type. You can only change skin color and hair, like get a haircut. You can change your skin, like a tan or whatever, change the voice. So um, he still has the very golden, lush, long hair, right? Because it's supposed to be golden retriever. That's what the dog was. Um, but we went for like the almost like deep purple, dark skin tone because it really set off against that. And then I gave him the deepest Barry White voice he had. Because I'm like, I still am going to, like, play with the voice. Because there's, like, 15 voices. And they're really varied. And it's just like, I don't want the normal pawn voice. Because everybody I hire seems to stick into one of the two main pawn voices that 
Yeah, they sound decent for the most part. I just like Barry White all of a sudden, like, arisen. Look out, there are goblins, you know? Um, coming, I can't do it voice as deep as it comes in because it just it cracks me up. So I enjoy it. All right, you guys ready to get into this? I was going to mention that we were talking about Ludumdari earlier. We had seven entries uh, total for mm-hmm. Knoxville. So that may be a record. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had that many before. And all people that have came out to our meetings before, and I think we have all those posted on the Knox Game Design website. Yeah, check that out, and, and there's links to play all of them. Um, and then uh, we'll get into more, I guess, self-pub at the uh, self-promotion at the end. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, Barony, Cursed Edition. Dylan, you want to kick us off with this? Um, I think um, I made a lot of notes here, and they're not necessarily in any particular order, so I'm going to try to group some of these up. I think overall what this game felt like to me was uh, someone going back to like the old-school RPGs, um, PC RPGs specifically, and kind of pulling a lot of those concepts out um, and not necessarily updating all of them. I think there are some cases where, um, you know, like this doesn't necessarily fit into what we understand for modern game design. Um, I will say that one theme I kind of come back to is it's the, these RPGs have a lot of different um, concepts. Um, you know, you've got items, items need to be appraised, some items can be cursed, things like that. Um, I'm familiar with a lot of those concepts, like through playing Diablo, through playing uh, Castle of the Winds back on like Windows 3.1. They have similar concepts, there are different mechanics and emphases behind them, or there seem to be to a certain extent. And I think that kind of tripped me up to begin with. I sent out to everybody um, yes. to read a guide on this because that's the theme that I come back to. Of There's a lot of mechanics and systems that Barony makes no effort to explain. Right. I think that's, yeah, that's one of the, the things because most of the time I play games like that is I'm just going to pick everything up and then I'm going to go to town to sell it. But in this, like, towns, there's, like, one town in the first five levels. I think I only got to, like, the forest level, so that was as far as I went. Um, But, yeah, like, understanding where the town is, what kind of changes that play style. Like, that play style didn't work for me. Um, I will say, not just the mechanics, but the look and feel of this feels very much like... Your Wolfenstein 3D era, 3D, you know, Bard's Tale, that sort of thing. Um, so I really like that because I remember playing a lot of those games. Um, I actually kind of like the voxel style that they used. It um, it reminds me of kind of like, I remember playing Shadow Warrior, which was built on the Duke Nukem 3D engine the first time I really saw like voxels. And it was just like, wow, what's this? I can walk around it. It's from different angles. It looks weird um you know it's not what we would think of as 3d today um it it did occur to me that um it seems like to build this sort of game that that uses you know voxels and these two and a half 2.5d maps and you know down to the dos console font um man with the tools available today it seems like that 
might make it more complicated than just developing a normal RPG. It does, I think, too, because like the models of the creatures and like, not Wolfenstein, because that was 2D, but in Quake, um, for example, that came after the early like 3D models, like they were extremely low poly. Yeah. You know, and these guys to do the voxels are actually freaking high poly to have the appearance of voxels because they weren't actually voxels. They just had the appearance of built from cubes. You know, all the faces and the details and the creatures and all the items had the appearance of built from cubes. Probably added a lot more polygons to a model than it would have done if it actually had been made in, um, you know, like an Ultima Underworld or something like that. Yeah, like the old Quake style, like you're saying. Um, it, it was one of those things that it took me a while to learn things like literally everything can be picked up. There's no loot screen. It's just dropped there. Um, it took me a while to learn that, um, you know, and, and actually like I liked how that extended to everything. Like you can walk up to a fire, take a torch from it. Makes perfect sense. It was a while before I realized you could take a torch off a wall. Yeah. I started doing that for a while uh, when I needed light. It, it was interesting that you, early on, you really got a good feel for the sort of random generation that was happening. Like, I remember my third playthrough, I go into the, the um, int- you know, like the entry door, and it's locked, and I have to beat it down. And so, like, that's not something I had expected. Um... The biggest thing for me, like I I finally just on my first few playthroughs, I finally got to level two and I feel felt like supremely accomplished. Early it seemed like it took a long time to level up in this game. Yes. Plus you had the different ways to level up. You had like le- magic levels, but it wasn't a specific yeah. one, two, three, or four. It's it, basically novice and expert and master. It feels like they do a kind of a Skyrim style leveling yeah. where if you use a skill, you get a point in that skill. Yeah. And then if you get, once you get so many points and so many skills or so much experience, or actually, let me take that back. You get a point in a skill, getting a point in a skill or using a skill gives you experience points. Experience points. Level your character. Yeah, I think the thing is, I the game seemed to me it didn't warrant that complex of a system. Either do no. skill-based leveling or do the character levels and everything goes up at the character level. But I had, like, I was never sure of, like, when I picked up a tome and it was a spell book and I couldn't learn the spell. Right. Am I going to learn, do I need to do a bunch of magic to be able to read this book or do I need to level up to get my int up to a level to read this book, or I do I just s- need to read more books? I want to say magic and casting were different skills. I magic may be and wrong casting about are that. different skills, and int it, is a stat. I, I didn't play a lot of magic users. I did a couple times where I found books, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, what was interesting to me, and this is, again, not something I thought about, because I played Diablo, where you would take a bunch of items, take them to a guy, pay him to identify them or whatever. Appraising became kind of the way I leveled up early on because you get like two or three experience points every time you do it. So every time I pick something up, it's like, go to my menu, appraise it, figure out that you actually have to hold down right click to get to it instead of just clicking once and having a pop up. When uh, Levi and I played multiplayer, the first thing I said is like, 
If I grab the journal, do you get it as well? And Levi's like, why are yeah. you taking the journal? I'm like, yeah. to start praising. Yes. <laughs> and that's really, the, the problem there is, like, I, I played a lot of the merchant class just because you could start out with a really high appraising skill and you didn't have to, like, sit around. But it's a really fiddly mechanic. Do yes. you want a podcast maintenance moment? Do you want to, like, move a bit? Are you dying? All right, I'm yes. like, seeing the sun. I'm in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want to shift down yes. to here, Dylan? Or, well, I was going to say, Dylan can Either shift way. down and you can shift around and that way we don't... Or you just go across like that. There you go. Thank you. Because, I mean, it looks like you can get sunburned. I was sunburn. it's, Yeah, it's not yeah. like a little bit. I didn't want to break up the flow of the podcast or anything. <laughs> All right. Um... So yeah, like appraising was like the secret way to actually be successful, which is totally backwards of how you think one of these games should work. Um, in that sense, it you know it, it actually, like I said, it actually reminded me a lot of those old school RPGs where I know I would play them a lot as a kid to try to figure out you know it was a different experience each time you know let's figure out how it works and occasionally you get a really good level and you uh, run and you felt accomplished but ultimately i never understood those games and that's a lot of what this system was um you know early on the game was you get some powerful effect whether that's invisibility warning levitation water walk olympic swimming etc and you just kind of abuse it yeah, we saw the Olympic swimming. Like Mike was like Michael Phelps, like swimming. Yeah, yeah it was insane. <laughs> I, I was like five times speed boost in the water um, from the Olympic swimming amulet. Yeah, it's like I the forest was a very different experience if I had levitation or Olympic swimming than if I didn't. It just seems like just hit that random number generator until you get something just really overpowered for your level. Yeah, when we went multiplayer, I said like this is the way I do this. This is the way I've been doing this. Is that um, the first five levels? Like, I'm go over it every inch, yep. trying to get some random piece of loot that basically makes my character broken, uh, you know, just way overpowered, because the deeper you go, the harder it gets, and the, yeah. the point, at some point, becomes a, just where's the next level exit, right? right. Like, we, we don't want an encounter. We're avoiding encounters right now. Um, although there was a point where I leveled up so high that... I couldn't be damaged by like spot, you know, spiders and goblins and some of the low level stuff. It was just like, wow, this seems like a really weird experience curve. It may, it may have been, it was one of those situations where I got something that just made me more powerful than I should have been. But, um, that was, that was kind of, um, weird. On the flip side of that, Pretty much most of my deaths weren't because I got into a fight that I wasn't supposed to get into. They were because boulder. Yes. <laughs> or or in a couple of cases, starvation. So I had turned off, to play the game, I went to the settings menu and turned off hunger, traps, and minotaur. Because it's like, I... I got to complain on my thing. I guess I'll just get into yeah. it. I'm just like, I feel like there should have been a mode selector at the start. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, hey, are you new to the game? Okay, these systems are off. And then it's like intermediate and advanced. And then it tells you, it's like, oh, we're turning this on and that on because, like, the Minotaur invades randomly. And so if you just found a safe space and are trying to appraise and figure out what you got and what does this do and how would I cast something, Minotaur shows up, you're dead. And the Minotaur will show up in the start room. Like, I go to the next level, I stay in the start room, let me figure out what I got while I'm safe in my start room. Oh, I'm not safe in my start room. Minotaur's here. So I'm like dead. That's just bad luck there. Yeah. But I even know you could like turn off like hunger and traps and boulders and things like that until you told me about it. Cause it's like buried. You got to go to settings and miscellaneous and it's like buried down there with cheats and everything else. I found I, it cause I was looking for a UI scaling setting. Um, I was the game desperately needs. Cause if you're running at 1080, um, the fonts and everything don't scale up with the 1080. The UI doesn't scale up with the 1080. So I want to make everything scale up on the UI so I'm comfortable with my old man eyes and, you know, give me large fonts and easy reading. Um, they, I couldn't find that setting, but that's where I found the rest. And it's like, all right, let me turn this stuff off so I can learn what the game's doing first. Another good way to do this is the XCOM Enemy Unknown uh, and Enemy Within, I think, are, you know, they're really like the same game. One's an expansion to the other or something. But when they start out, it, it's, a, it's a, you know, roguelike strategy game. Um, when they start out, it gives you a list of checkboxes. So it doesn't say, well, it does have a difficulty selector. Like, do you want classic XCOM? Do you want, like, okay, we're going to minimize critical failure roles, you know? Like, we're going to... It's basically, like, how much do you want the RNG to fluctuate is, yeah. is this difficulty slider. And then the next screen is, do you want to turn on Iron Man? Meaning you cannot um, save scum uh, the game. Like, you get one save. Do you want to turn on um, Bleed Out, you know, where your hero, if they go die, takes three turns to bleed out, or do you want them instantly dead? You know, like, here are the advanced options for making the game easier or tougher. Uh, like, Skill Shuffle is another one. So. There are set career paths for uh, a soldier. You know, they're going on this path. You know the entire tech tree that they're going to get as they unlock it. Well, you can randomize that and just add another element of RNG of having a soldier who turned out to be useless because they never got a powerful. And then having a soldier that got some really good combos that are broken in combination. But that makes a really fun playthrough of the one time you had the super soldier, you know, like that's kind of like the fun of the game. And it's presented at the start of the game, so I know these are systems I can enable or disable yeah. versus being buried in the setting. I actually think I found that, and I think it's more of a perception thing on that, because I found them, and I'm like, well, but these are these seem integral to the game. I feel like I'm missing something if I turn them off, and it's it's almost like calling them normal difficulty versus calling them Iron Man difficulty is... There's a different perception there. Exactly. Like yeah. if, if if you just start with them on, you're like, well, no, I'm I'm giving you know I'm taking the easy way out. I need to find out how to deal with these, um, as opposed to saying no, these are the fiddly little things that most players don't want to mess with. Um, just in general though, like at early levels, death is actually pretty encouraging. Okay, I see what I did. 
you know, I wasn't looking for the big hole in the ceiling. I engaged this guy and I shouldn't have, that sort of thing. Because I didn't even know that the boulders came from the hole in the ceiling. So yeah. I played with you and you're like, oh, yeah. I think I asked, I was like, is there any way to avoid these boulders? And you're like, oh, yeah, you just look in the ceiling and you see the crack. And Yeah. It seems like the boulders were way overpowered. I mean, maybe yeah. take half your health, but all instant death pretty much i think if you get to a certain level you can avoid death but it's still a big health i think it is possible i want to say i did at some point get hit by a boulder and was knocked down from like 130 to 5 health um and yeah i want to say i was doing it for my let's play and it was just like wow because i was like at dungeon level 15 Mm -hmm. and it's like that would have reset me and i had traps off but it was like a special set area that, no, this trap is still on. See, I didn't know if boulders were considered a trap or not. Yeah, because we hit that too in a special room. We hit that when we were multiplayering. We had turned boulders off, and I was just like, we turned traps off. Yeah, that's and when I was you're, like, yeah. well, I guess boulders aren't traps because yeah. boulders are on. You're like, no, we turned it off. And they're like, no, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm looking at two boulders right now. Two boulders came down simultaneously. That's when you wow. got stuck between two, and I couldn't get your stuff to give it back to you. And he couldn't the next even level. like get my stuff because yeah, the boulders were also blocking. Yeah, that, and that's actually uh, that's kind of where I was going with this. Like, like early on, you're like, okay, I want to try this again. I want to try this again. Um, at later levels, it just feels like a huge waste of time when you get killed because yeah. you just restart and. You know, like I said, this is a good game to, I've got 30 minutes, I've got an hour, I don't want to get too deep into something, let's just turn this on. You know, and early on I'd play several games and, you know, play for like, you know, an hour or so. Then later it's like, I'll play for 10 minutes and do one run through, well, I'm dead, I'm done for a while. (laughs) Um, The the counter to that though is like, if you get a decent run, this is like a three, four hour game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the ones that went long, it was just like, oh, wow, it's 2 a.m. now. There is a lot to it, but you have to... But it can um, be a 10-minute game if you, you know, level 2 Boulder or yeah. Minotaur or whatever. Um, I think overall, um, I wouldn't call it a bad game. Like, I, I can understand how someone can play and go, like, this is crap, you know. Um, it has a loyal following. It has a very loyal, very um, dedicated following. Yeah, and, and I can understand that because... What what I would say is it's bad at being an accessible game. It has a lot of. It's good if you like a lot of fiddly little mechanics. Like if you're if you're into the genre, and you know what you're dealing with, and again you you can separate your understanding of the genre from while well, I played Diablo, while well, I played this, while well, I played that. And you're like, oh okay, I see it's doing this, but a little differently. Um, it it kind of reminds me of. Um, in the 90s, like, if you look at a lot of, like, pen and paper RPGs from the 90s, um, they got really, really complex. They're little fiddly systems. In fact, there's this one that I heard of called Traveler that uh, you could literally die during character creation. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like that's a good game. But I think to the right person, to someone who's really deep into the genre, um, it can be fun. Like, there's there's an element to it that might be interesting if you're willing to understand that like a I good chunk see of this if that was like a punishment for re-rolling like if it was like old school D&D where you rolled your dice to get your stats yeah and then it's like okay I want to re-roll and it's like well fine if one of these comes up one 
that character's dead. Yeah, you know? push your luck. I think in actuality, it was like you're rolling through your character's history or something, and it was just like one of the literal, like you know, the, it's not going to hold your hand. Here's your backstory: you die. Yeah, kind of like kind of like uh, you know, barony. Like it's not going to hold your hand. It trusts you to to deal with whatever happens. Um, and I think the 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 reason it is a fiddly game that I, I can understand would have a huge following is it has very long feedback loops. And um, like that's when you boil down all the random elements and stuff like that, um, even the skill based things have a lot of feedback loops. And that's not good for someone who's not familiar with the genre, but it's great for someone who's really familiar with the genre and wants to get in deeper and wants a challenge. Um, you know, like I said, it's the type of thing where a random good thing can happen and you do well and it feels like a fluke early on. And then later you learn that the path to success isn't like one particular thing you're doing wrong. It's a bunch of little deliberate good choices that you can make. Like, you know, appraising early, stocking up on food, picking a class that complements your style of play. Um, and these things don't have any immediate effects. Like, you know, I'm stocking up on food now because I know that five levels in, I'm going to start getting a hunger icon and, you know, this could kill me. Um, and, and like I said, I think in that case, and I think this will probably go for a lot of the negative things we have to say is, you know, long feedback loops aren't necessarily bad. You know, I've had this discussion about different board games and RPGs. Like, they're not necessarily bad, but they do require you to know what you're doing, and they they are targeting a specific audience. So it's kind of like you got to look ahead. You got to know what's yeah, coming. You have to. Well, the it wasn't a point you could know that I need to stock food now because hunger is going to be a thing later. Yeah, and like there was nothing on there. It's like I actually have. A note here that there's a hunger system but no hunger meter. Yes, that is a huge so issue. It's like as this, like you said, this seems like giving out a lot of information. It's like, well, why isn't this a meter or a stat somewhere that I can see? There's like a flashing up bread icon, but a lot of time I didn't even notice it. But that's it. like thirty seconds from death. Yeah, that's yeah. like either eat now or die. That's it, not the. Oh, I'm at half hunger right now. I better start scavenging yeah. some food. Plus, if you eat too much, and I think if you puke, then I think it's like instant hunger. And if you yes. weren't aware yeah. that yes. caused instant hunger, then... And it's also like if you eat moldy or old food, you have more of a chance of, of throwing up yeah. because it's diseased or whatever. And it wasn't clear how much eating a particular item would give you back. Which, yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, which I also had a complaint on the game. Um, all cheese is technically moldy cheese. That's what makes it cheese, okay? Cultured, yes. Yes, that's that's exactly it. So um, the, there's no hunger system. There was also an encumbrance system that had no stat. Oh, yeah, because you had both backpack space and encumbrance. and Yeah, you had backpack space, limited inventory cubes, but also weight was associated with those yeah. items, and they would slow down the movement of your character the more you had That's why you. I stopped packing everything out to sell at the um, town. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a point where I didn't even bother picking up gems because they take too long to appraise. Gems they, were so slow. They, they I probably won't find a vendor who will buy them because you probably didn't make it down there many times. But the vendors 
only no i actually did i, I got there a couple vendors times. only buy certain types yep. so you can and get random yes you can get a general store vendor who will buy and sell everything but most of the time you get an armor vendor or you get a gemstone vendor or you get a food vendor and great you saved up all these really valuable really light gemstones to be able to buy the best loot and you just didn't get that They're guy useless in the run, if you didn't so. appraise them and early on you can fail at appraising yeah. So, um, starting back over for mine at the top of my note, um, I noted uh, just this is just in general. The retro style that they go for has a Minecraft feel, even to me. Yeah. And, like, it's not just the kids these days. Like, it's become so pervasive that it gets associated with Minecraft that I expect Minecraftisms, even though this game's not really doing anything like that. Like the way they have their toolbar set and the way they have their graphics and the way they have inventory, I'm kind of expecting can I combine things, even though like that's not even a thing in this game. Um, and I just made a note of that as far as not a negative or positive on the game, but just something to like think about as a game designer. You don't exist in a vacuum. So if you're evoking a particular art style that another game has made very, very famous, you're bringing the baggage of that game's systems and mechanics into the expectations of your players. And like I said, I have to deal with that. I think a lot of the things it references gameplay wise are very, very old. A lot of the stuff it references style wise is new. Yes. And and that's what most people are going to see. It's taking the art. Of the new games, but the gameplay of the old games, which is going to create a problem for the people who see the graphics and go, I like Minecraft, let me try this out. Um, I already mentioned they need to scale up the UI. Uh, This is a small nit, but I'm going to pick this nit every time I see it. I'm going to go for it every time I see it. Please stop doing this. RPGs, please stop chaining skin color to region. Okay? You don't realize the stereotype racisms that you're doing, but if I want to play a black character and the only option for a black character is the tribal person who came from, you know, that's like, do you realize what you've done, right? Do you realize what you're equating here when you have three shades of white that have varying backgrounds of like the noble or the commoner or, you know, the poor person. I feel like, like they mixed up the adjectives a little bit better than you would but expect. To me, it's like they just put them on separate screens. Like don't yeah. even yeah. combine. I had a problem correlating those different race types to what appearance it would give me. I was like, just give me a slider. You give me a slider for oh, yeah, you because it changed the hair. And- if you pick a class that has a bunch of stuff on it, you aren't going to see the face. And yeah. like a lot of what you're choosing is it's the skin color, but it's also the face. And it served no point in this game. Cause you're in first it's, person. Mode. It's multiplayer though. Yeah. It's for multiplayer. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the skin coloring. I'm talking about the, the lands from which these people came that they represented, you know, their, their background that this person is at. Um, so, you know, newsflash here. You can be black and from Africa. You can be white and from Africa. You can be black and from Ireland. You can be white and from Ireland, you know? Like, you can have any skin tone and be from any skin region. And once again, the quickest way to get somebody to not play your game is to hit something that bothers them, right? Yeah. And right at the character creator, if, like, this didn't, like, stop me from doing it. It's just, just, like I said, this is a small knit, and I'm going to pick it. But you do run the risk if you see somebody that now and it's like, man, I don't want to be the caveman 
character again because that's the only dark skin character here is caveman i'll i'll throw dark uh, dark soul demon souls right on the bus demon souls gives you four base types from four regions and they are the worst they are like japan at its worst like these are terrible and you could have somebody just like i don't want to play this like i'm not invested in the game enough and that's, like, I give this in my talk, right? I talk about all these motivators, reasons to play, but it only takes one for me to decide, nah, I'll pass it. Because guess what? There's hundreds of games I haven't played yet. And if you do something, I'm like, I don't like that. I think you just I, put skin tone on a slider, and that avoids exactly, the whole controversy there. <laughs> just put skin tone on a slider, and if you want me to have a regional background, then let me pick a regional background as well. I think. I think what they were trying to do, I hope what they were trying to do, um, was... It's a very common pattern in RPGs, and I believe what they were doing was redoing the very common thing in RPGs, and there's not a thought behind it. It's just... Right. Well, no, many no, RPGs what, do this. Yeah, and I know I've, I've seen this, like... I know, like, like Elder Scrolls, you have Big all the RPGs different races, this, yes. but yeah, like, as opposed to, like, 7th C 2nd Edition just came out. I read the book recently and they they were basically saying like look people of all races exist in fictional europe it's fine we've settled it you know it was kind of like a note just to move on but i think what they were doing hopefully i may be wrong about this but by putting the adjective oh sorry putting the adjective on there you know it possibly gave someone a reason not to look at the skin color and more to look at the name and the adjective and like maybe get out. Yeah, it's not an adjective. It's it's a label. It's an it's a it's a regional label that's going. You know, like these are the southerners. You yeah. know, these are these hail from the northern regions of such and such and blah blah blah. You know, and just put a skin tone slider. And then yeah. you can give me a background picker if I want to pick and I have to come from one of the lands in your fictional universe. Yeah. These two are not mutually exclusive options. And by making them a mutually exclusive option, by tying dark skin to Southerner, you've inadvertently turned off some players, you know? Like, I can see that. And it, yeah. for no benefit. And especially in this case, they never reference like the Minotaur did never go. Ah, oh, you're the Gungarians. Well, then I will stand at a further distance from you. And no, it had nothing to do with anything. Right. As soon as you got off that character creator, it didn't care. Even your class was really just like starter stats. Yes. Every class I picked, um, which is mostly cleric, um, was quest to find some magic spells. To like offset my class with some magic and just hybrid into super spell slinging sword welding armor heavy wearing like there wasn't a delineation of class in the gameplay that the menu at the beginning uh took, which is a smaller unit to pick if you have classes at the beginning then have class based gameplay um and again you know the souls games are notorious for that like it doesn't matter pick anything it doesn't matter like the how you spend your stat points will dictate what you can do and if you want to cast spells and weld the biggest sword we got you covered. There's a way to do that as well, too. Battle mage. <laughs> Battle mage, you know? Like, which is broken in multiplayer, but in single player, not so much. And, you know, these are fantasy, you know, um, power fantasies, right? So I'm leaning into it, you know? Let me make a, an extremely powerful thing. Um, guess what? You're going to need it if you get down to the Baron. <laughs> um, so, um, 
It's possible to pick a character that cannot even appraise basic items like food. Yep. I think uh, I did that once. Yeah, I think it's like Warrior too. Um, and it's funny because I think it's, it's Warriors listed as like the easy or whatever start class. And it's like, no, the secret to this game is appraisal skills. And you got to start getting those appraisal up. That's why Cleric turns out to be the best. Yep. Combination of starting gear and... Um, you get potions. Potions. Uh, you get a plus three weapon. Uh, which is really a couple levels before you can actually find a better than the plus three mace uh, that you start out with. And learns appraisal very quickly. Like has the stat that allows the cleric to pick up skills fast. So adding magic, adding in other stats happens very, very fast for the cleric. So by the jungle level, you're starting to feel like, okay, I've got this run. We've got a character that's going to last. Um, And then... Wizard is listed as like a hard class, but I actually found when I was playing before I read the guide, seemed to be the class that we're doing the better with because range is so powerful in this game. Yes. Uh, the combat engine for melee basically seems trading hits. It doesn't seem like there's another option. You can't really uh, circle strafe or back away and hit or do anything like that. The best you can do is sneak up on someone and have like a critical hit ready to go. Timed and ready again. Yeah, which once I figured out, you could hold down the attack and do one shot. That helped a lot. But once you're in combat with, like, say, a troll, it's going to be a lot of hits. I, I didn't find it worthwhile to hold down and build up a second critical hit. Just swing wildly because it was not worth the DPS, the damage over time, uh, for that. So we've talked a lot about this, but, you know, um, it's okay to start and not explain everything. It's not okay for me to have played a couple hours and still have no idea what I'm doing or what I should be doing. And I felt like in this game, I didn't. That's actually what led me to go ahead and get the guide. Um, I actually did like three, four hours of the game, I think. I don't know how many hours I ended up putting in. Um, I wrapped up my Let's Play. I'm like, all right, well, I wrapped this up. And it was just sort of like crossing the T's and dotting the I's of like, let me go check into the community. Let me check into the background of this game. Um, I've made it to the jungle level like you had. And that's when I stumbled across the guide. And I just started reading all these things. And I'm like, wait, what? I could what? That's how that, that's what this does, you know? And then I went back in and my next run or two, I turned back on the recorder because I did a solo run all the way down to the barony. Um, and the guide I read wasn't like, here's the exploitative. It was just like, this is how this system works. This is how often this is. Don't bother picking up torches. There's always a torch around. I noticed what, that was something that got said a lot in that guide was like, don't bother with this. It's not worth it. It's just like, then why does it exist? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think using a guide is really cheating or anything. Cause back in the day I would grab a Nintendo power and read the tips and it would have something similar like that. And I don't think reading a guide of a Nintendo power would be any. No, not cheating. I'm saying as a game design, you're losing players who are not reading the guide. Yeah. Yeah. That's an extra step a player has to go through to download the guide and figure out how to play your game. I did the same thing because I was like, I know there has to be a a way to get to a town so I can sell this stuff. What is it? And then I figured out, like, you see something when the level loads that says there's a town somewhere here. And then I further had to read, okay, what does that entrance actually look like? Right. It's like, oh, it's a pit. Okay. So um, no other game that we have played has my opinion changed as much as it did on Barony pre and post guide? 
pre-guide, I was like, there's going to be another, like, Undertale. Like, I don't get what you guys see. I just, I don't, I don't see what it is. Whatever. Have your thing. Because the, the reviews are, like, crazy positive. Yeah. And I have put more time into this game into any other game we have played for review. Crashlands included. Um, that after reading the guide, like, I, I sort of did sit down and go, it's still installed. I'm going to click Barony and just, you know, see where we go. And ah, I didn't get that far. Yeah, I'm good. I, I closed out, you know. Um, and then multiplayer, had a good time um, playing a multiplayer with Levi. I feel I like this game was shine with multiplayer. Yeah, because you got to help read the guy out. Because I, I wasn't having a good time with the game at all. But then I checked out some videos like, there's got to be a reason that somebody likes this game. And then I watched some multiplayer. I was like, oh, these guys are having a fun time playing multiplayer. So I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of like a party game. And then I started playing with Dylan and Mike. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Maybe that's because you guys knew how to play the game better than me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much you had played by the time we played. I played a little bit single player, but I played with Mike after I played with you. Okay, because I'd played a lot by that time oh, and i was like fairly i was kind of like there were a couple of things like how have you played this long and not that sounds bad i'm trying yeah. to think of a way to say i'm it, still learning like, at that point it's like wow I, I don't know how you could survive i don't know how this could be fun if you <laughs> didn't know yeah. this like if you didn't look this up and like yeah well i mean the fact that um I spend, like, the first five videos of the Let's Play, I think, going, like, I hate this appraisal mechanic. I hate everything about yeah. it. It just ruins the gameplay. It ruins the flow. Because what... I hate it, but I know I have to do it, and therefore I like it. <laughs> um, but what about appraising an item from an inventory menu from games you have ever played in the past tells you, oh, you can just exit the menu, and then it'll keep appraising, and you can move. Like, oh, yeah. what system existed that was supposed to let me know I could do this because once I realized I can appraise and move then it was just like okay just queue something up for appraisal and go out and collect a bunch more stuff and then queue something up for appraisal knowing that I'll level appraisaling up um, it's still grindy I'm still just yeah. appraising items and dropping them just to get the appraisal skill up so that it's very very fast and I can stop and just appraise everything in my inventory um, the UF felt kind of free XP you know and you know, it's, it's XP coming in um, the UI felt kind of clumsy. You had to right click your item, then go down and click appraise. Yeah. I just wanted to like say, here, appraise five things and just get it up. up. This is yeah. my appraisal queue. Also, I don't like that menu at all because it's far too easy to use an item that you meant yes. to appraise. Yes. And there's a severe punishment in this game for using the wrong item. Like if you accidentally put on a cursed item, you can't take it off. Um, I got choked to death in one of my playthroughs by a collar that actually wasn't cursed. It was just an amulet of choking. That's what it did. Because um, I think I was telling you the multiplayer of like, no, that thing that says of poison, just throw it away. Like, that's what it does. It will poison you. Uh, yes. It's not cursed. It's not evil. It just does the thing, does as intended. Cursed meant it had a, in, in most cases, it had a negative modifier on it. And you can't and, remove it. Yeah. And you and, can't remove it. Yeah, I think that's what led to it. Everything had a modifier, even if it made sense to have a modifier or not. So yeah, like cursed um, was... But there were weird things I read in the guide, like if you were a blindfold, you could read a cursed spell book without taking a penalty. I did not know that. I thought blindfolds were the most useless thing. Same here. I'm just like, how am I supposed to know in game that that was a thing? Like, where is, like, what system is going in here? Where am I supposed to have, like, even if it was just like a terrible, like, 
I think hey, it's clever, though. There's a description on blindfolds that tells you that, like Dark Souls. And then I'd be like, okay, fair enough. Right? I don't know what this thing is for, but there's a description on it of, like, blindfolds seem useless but have many useless uses, like, of, of reading books or something. Try reading a book. I don't know. Like, something that might hint at that, but... Uh, it just it was real dense. My best run, by the way, uh, before I read the guide, was the Jester class, because the Jester class started out with random spells, um, scrolls, and so you might get some decent scrolls, decent spells, and then I just ran past everything. Got to the jungle level, when you start seeing a lot more NPC party members, rounded up a crew, got my, uh, uh, like, four or whatever we had, and then we all wiped to the Potato King, because their AI is terrible. They all, I just came around the corner and went, oh, wow, there's like three golems over there backed up. All one of my AI guys walked around the corner and then turned around like I did and then just died getting shot in the back. Didn't even fight back. Um, the whole spell casting seemed a little bit clumsy as well. You got the books, you had to read the books, and it went to your spell pane. Then you had to ready spells, which would put it on your bar. But then you had to press F. I didn't know how to cast a spell until I looked up the controls. Like, oh, you yeah. use F to cast your ready spell. I'm used to games like World of Warcraft or Guild Wars where you have your spells on your bar, and you press that number to cast that spell. You use that item, yeah. So it's yeah. a little bit weird there. And you use that same bar and press that number to switch equipment. So like I would switch between shield and um torch depending on the situation a lot because uh, just holding the shield gave you the armor bonus uh you didn't actually have to put it up it actually seemed like putting the shield up was just a weirdly i never figured out how blocking nope. became useful it's useless. like you had you had yeah. to do it at the right time to actually yeah. block or something i, I actually i happened to see the uh the spell being on a different key, um, when I was looking through the options, I was like, oh, okay, I'll remember that if I ever pick up a spell. Most of the time, I didn't use spells. Like, I tried the wizard a few times, but it just seemed like an unnecessary hassle. If I was armored high enough, it didn't matter. So my playthroughs were start as a cleric and amass the spells to go down. Um, some really handy ones. There was a reveal map spell, which would show you the entire map. Uh, the light spell would give you a crystal that would float behind you yeah. and light the area, freeing your hand to always hold up the shield. Now, the guide said monsters can see you more easily with the light on. I never noticed an actual difference. Like, yeah. the monsters came running with or without the light, so I'd rather see them coming than not. Um, that was another one of, like, got to find that. Uh, levitation, once you get into floors... Um, 15 through 19, not floor 20, because that's the Baron, but 15 through 19, um, there were actually some places that were isolated by um, pits on all sides. And so if you couldn't levitate, either by item or by spell, you couldn't get to them. There were a few treasure chests on the higher levels. I think we may have run into yeah. one where there was a big like, pit. How, how like, do I get over there? <laughs> yeah, I think by that time I'd had my really good run into the forest where I had the levitation spell. I was just like, water there, water there, don't. It doesn't matter, you know. Water you could swim through without penalty, it seemed like. 
It was really slow if you didn't have the amulet. It moved slower, but there wasn't like a drowning that I ever encountered or anything like that. Talking about spells, one thing that I found really frustrating, there's all these locked chests. And like we found out there's locked doors, which you can just tear down. But having a locked chest and a spell of locking, I never figured out what the spell of locking is. Like I want the spell of unlocking. I suspect you could use it. And I never tried this, but I assume it's like, there's something in, there's something chasing me. I'm going to lock this door. Yeah. Won't work. Uh, Won't work. They'll come right through it. They don't care. Monsters will break her down. They'll come through. And they don't take like the 20 hits we take. They take like one. Yeah. Because I have been standing in the start room where they lock the door to get out of the start room. I'm like, thanks. But then since I'm in the room, let me just go ahead and go through things. And then like some rats and skeletons come in the room to the locked door. And I'm like, well, what is the point of this spell? Like, is it just another thing the guides like don't bother with? You know, um, <clears throat> there was no way to speed up mana or health regen. Um, health would tick back. Oh no, health didn't move back. I think you had to heal. Mana would tick back slowly. But like, there should have been like, if I'm standing still, I could get into like a rest state that yeah. would speed things up a bit. There were times I swear I gained back health without using a health item. I was wondering if food like yeah, food heals health. you. Okay, it does. Oh, oh, food food heals may you. Have been it. Um, so like, yeah, I used food. Oh gosh, you, you didn't realize that. No, huh? I think I probably used it the first few times. So without- I put food on my hot bar, and in a fight that was going bad, really quickly ate five things to get my health back up. So oh. there you go, pro survival tip. I don't even know if that was in the guide, but yeah, food healed you. You know why I knew that? Because food has no use when you turn off hunger. Okay. Right? So then the only reason I was using it was just to I eat. think I assumed the other, which was like, I tried eating it at some point, and it didn't do it. It didn't heal me like I expected. Now, there are items that like almost provide zero health benefit. Yeah, I probably saw that and like, oh, what's this for? And then I learned about hunger, and I assumed, oh, this is This is for hunger, yeah. Okay. Um... So, I mean, and the problem is, is health, the food drops are plentiful. So once you know that you can heal with food, foods, there's plenty of those to heal back up. But getting a mana recharge item um, is really, really rare that you find a potion or something you could drink. And like, it takes 40 mana to cast the reveal map spell. So like, it would be to cast it and then play the whole level and then maybe hopefully have enough to cast it when you go to the next level. And not have enough to, you know, do multiple castings uh, between it. I did like the monsters will attack other monsters. Yes, that saved me a couple times. I didn't like that my summon will attack Levi's summon. And Levi's summons will try to attack me, even with friendly fire off, so they can't hurt me. But instead of attacking, uh, we found... So I took Levi into it, actually. I knew what it was. Um, And it turned out it was terrible and there was no good reason to be there. But on the early levels... You can find a door, a portal, the door, a, a down step, in a room behind two gates. And you throw a switch from each side of a pit. And that opens both of these. And then you go into a room where there are a bunch of gnomes just start invading you and some trolls start coming in. The gnomish mines, yes. If you get the, like, the pickaxes, you hear pickaxes when you enter this. Okay, maybe yeah. I didn't notice that. But. Well, like, in, the, in, the, in the first five levels, you can either get a town on each level or the gnomish mines and there's something that by town do you mean vendor 
No, there there were a couple of loan vendors, but there was actually a town. If if it's if you go in and it says you hear the sound of bustling streets, there's one of those portals exactly like that, except it takes you down to the town, and there's like six random vendors. Never saw that. And there's actually also like a bunch of if you okay. go search it out, there's a whole bunch of followers. There's a whole bunch of um, you can actually pick up some trends. Because I found this, this I guess this is the Gnome Mines. I found that like five or six times. Like that yeah. occurred frequently. And every time the gnomes would kill me in that start room. Yes, it's supposed to be like a hardcore sort of thing, I think. So when Levi was with me, and it was like, all right, you guys ready? We're going to go do this. We were clerics, so you get three scrolls of summon. So we're like, we went in once and died. Mm-hmm. And then we, did, we found it a second time through. And then it was like, okay, we're going to go in. We're going to pop all three scrolls. We're in opposite corners of the room. Um, we fought several of them off. And then Levi died. Um, but we, like, sort of held the main room. But then it was like, okay, I think we have it. And let me just gather. I think I was trying to pick up, like, Levi's critical items. So then I was like, I'll find out whatever the reward is. Because I was just expecting a reward. I wasn't expecting what it actually was. Once you leave that big room, it's just a bunch of tiny little twisty paths of ha-ha. There's a monster down every one of these. And you'll never find the exit. And then so... There is a lot of gold down through there, but... I think that's the point. Like, it's high risk, high reward. Did I make it out of that? You did. Didn't you get the invisibility cloak? Is that how you got out of there? Oh, did I find the invisibility item? Somewhere around there you found it and you made it out okay then that would have been the one we made it all the way to the bottom uh with um but yeah i was expecting massive loot and treasure and no um but the point is you should have popped all your minions first and after your, your minions died then i should have popped mine that way they wouldn't have started fighting yeah our each minions other. fighting each other they would have been then fighting. my minions started trying to attack you and since we had friendly fire off it didn't hurt you, but... Apparently, it- I could still hurt the minions. Also, we found out with Friendly Fire off, spells still hurt each other. Yes. So that pretty much kills a mage in the party because they would set the other one on fire in no time. I remember that time. is like, we found out early on you died, and I was like, well, I don't think anything attacked you, and like, we got friendly fire off, and you look through your chat log, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm on fire. I was like, well, it didn't say it came from me, but I'm the only one casting exactly. fire here, so I guess I'm the guilty party here. Yeah, we then <laughs> tested it right at the very start. Like, go ahead and shoot me with a fire, and I'll hit you with an axe, and, and that's um, an oversight. Like, friendly fire should be friendly fire off. Not selective. Um, I did like the NPC party members. I think I said this already, but um, they can't swim across the water. Their AI pathing is terrible. But Um, they always go down to the next level with you, even if they're not. Yeah, thankfully they will go down to the next level with you. um, Because that seems like the only way as a solo player you're going to have a good time uh, going on. Um, The appraisal system, I still, like, I don't think the game benefits from having it at all. And it's such a cornerstone of the game. It which puts is a lot the of effort into it, but like, what are you stopping me from doing? Playing the game, really. Because I'm just going to run around and grab all the items and kill all the monsters on the floor and then sit here and just appraise everything before I go to the next floor. And I'm going to kill everything on that floor and then just sit here safely and appraise everything. So you're really not stopping me from doing anything. Maybe an appraisal if you just don't want me to put it on immediately. But even then, my appraisal skill will get to the level by the fifth floor that is so fast to be almost instant on even appraising like gems and things like that. So why does this exist? Like I, this mechanic 
isn't reinforcing any type of gameplay limitation or anything that other than me just standing still and watching the appraise counter go up um we talked about that menu um appraise should be above equip use so if you just accidentally click and let go it's not use it's appraise um but even then like there needs to be another step or something involved in things for using it so it's not so easy to accidentally use a cursed item um so, once the praise is leveled up, though, then I start to enjoy more of the Diablo-style random loot generator. Like, then it'd be like, okay, ooh, I just got, like, an axe and a shield, and I recognize from the graphics that this is a higher-class shield, and I don't have time because I'm fighting a skeleton, but I'm getting excited by, like, when I get a moment to look at this shield, is this going to be good? You know, like, am I going to upgrade my shield um, the other thing that was really good was the water fountains. Um, I think I clued Levi into this. The golden water fountains have random effects that can happen. Um, they could just heal you, but they can also bless all of your equipment. And then everything you're wearing, even ring and amulet, gets a plus one. So the cumulative effect of that is like plus 10 armor every time that happens. And it can get you immediately to a state of, they're not damaging me. Like I'm actually fighting a troll. And not getting hurt. And actually, I'm just wrecking this troll right now because I got a blessed of it. You could also summon a succubus, which at the high levels can kill you fast. Or get drunk, or be blind, or be paralyzed, or whatever. Uh, Blind is not so dangerous when you're um, multiplayer. Because especially if you're on voice chat, because then we're just like, hey, I'm blind, so I'm just going to stand here for a few minutes, you know, just shout, you know, if anything happens. So yeah, we would split the... um, uh, fountains until one of us got blessed and then the other one would take all the fountains until they also got blessed because that's key to like your longevity which is why the gnome room starts you out with like four fountains in there that makes sense i don't want to use those because they could summon succubus succubi succubies i don't know so they could summon a succubus and i don't need to add any monsters to that fight when the gnomes come calling because um, it's the casters are way overpowered, yep. you know? Like, you can take hits from the melee guys, but the casters will drop you in one hit. Um, the interesting uh, events can be generated. We talked about that. Uh, I like, I got to um, a zombie graveyard. I got to, like, an area with, like, four bridges in a square in little, like, treasure rooms and walking past gravestones on each of the paths. And when you start clicking the gravestones for a gravestone event to happen, all the gravestones spawn a zombie at once. So that's how I lost my, my jester lost uh, a big party one time once they all died to uh, um, zombies there. Um, and I don't think I actually made it out, but the loot was really good on that level. And it was sort of like, you should know better than to click gravestones. Come on now. So I felt like that was fair. Um, whereas the gnome one didn't feel fair, um, in the sense of before I went in, I didn't know I'm doing a high risk thing, clicking yeah. the gravestones and seeing the room filled of gravestones. I, I had a feeling something horrible was going to happen. Okay. Like I said, the, the gnome thing, there's context, but yeah, if, if you don't know that, and I had to look it up, I was, you know, that was part of the, how do I get to a town? Oh, okay. You know, um, yeah, you wouldn't know. So I like that every five levels there was a design and layout style change, even in the procedural generation algorithm, it seemed like. So you sort of have 
more rooms with hallways at the beginning. And then the jungle stage seems to spiral a lot. Like you have some building or two in the center and then things on the outside, you end up spiraling around a lot. Um, after the jungle, you get to what I call the temple zones, which are a very Egyptian yellow brick type uh, zone. I hate that level. That level has some open center area and then twisty little maze turn passages uh, on the outside area. And it just begins, it just, it's just a hunt to find um, the, the out. You know, like on that. And then are like these dungeon, very Doom-esque style. You're in like a demonic dungeon zone. Um, things start shooting at you. Walls start, you know, shooting at you and things like that. These rooms are very open. And so that the room has a lot to like, not just one wall is shooting at you, but all walls are shooting at you because it's very open. So you have a cross pattern. Is this even with traps on? Even with traps on. Yeah, uh, traps off, yeah. Um, these, these are there. Um, they have a very clever little room that unfortunately does not reward you as well as it should. So, because it's RNG and they're not adjusting the levels, but you'll get this little like column that has two walls on each face shooting you on each side. And there's two switches in front of each of, so there's like a total of like 16 switches here that you have to throw, and each switch is opening a path inside the area, which when you open these walls that shoot, they're a block, they're a cube. So when you open a path on the opposite side, there's still a block that shoots you, okay, from each side. So then you get all that opened up. You open up the path by running around and dodging on the outside. Then you run on the inside. you got to be quick because they're shooting you off from this inside, this tiny little path that you opened up, and there's a treasure chest in there. And nothing's worse than going through all this process, doing all this extra risk, and then you get a rock. <laughs> like, really? I'm on level 18 of the dungeon, and you're going to put a rock in my random chest loot and then put it behind 18 switches and eight face firing at me at the same time and a narrow path I have to run? So I didn't, wasn't a fan of that. Um, the barony just one-shotted. Uh, the baron. Just one shot. Every time I made it down to him, it was dead in one shot. He was or you were? I was. Uh, it's a, such a ridiculously overpowered fight. Um, it sort of like teleports and it's right up on you. So like range, it, it closes down, shuts you down at range. It shoots a, uh, the Baron shoots like a fire attack that sort of wedges out from him. So dodging it, you're just not really set to do that. So it really seems like. Hey, there was a whole guide dedicated on how to win a fight with the Baron. But to me, the difficulty spike was, I actually, that's what actually stopped me from beating the game, uh, playing the game more, was I was getting to the point where I was consistently getting down the lower levels, and more often than not, I could get a run that would hit me at the Baron. And granted, these are two, three-hour runs of playthrough. But then they just immediately get one-shotted, and after a three-hour playthrough, I don't feel like starting over from scratch. Yep. Uh, and unlike most roguelikes, like Rogue Legacy and things like that, I'm not like building a generation of clerics that come from a long line, you know. And I feel like this game needs that. I feel like I should yeah. be able to like maybe I get to pick one item or something and will it to my successor, 
you know, here's my cloak of invisibility that I will to you, you know, like this is, and that gives me a little heads up on the start, or here's my awesome mace that I got that, you know. Because Rogue Legacy, you do have those stats that you can invest into, and that carries on to all your descendants, and yep. you feel like you are kind of building towards something to make your play. Dying is part little, of the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and more than just you failed uh, way. Um but the multiplayer is is really good. Uh, I think it's really well done. Uh, we did and uh, hit some lag issues, which were really weird. Um, I would um, lag out, and maybe you've seen this because the I video, uh, the video that's going up with this video, if you're watching this on YouTube, is going to be my view of Levi and me playing together um, on our run down to the Baron. Uh, decided that's going to be the background video, so maybe you've seen it at some point. We'll get to level 17. All of a sudden, my stream will blank out. I'll go back to the start room on level 15. And then I'll warp back to level 17 of its start room. So not only was it like lag in motion, which we saw some of that, it was like popping me back and teleporting me places um, like I hadn't entered the dungeon yet. Um, While you're talking about laggy things, going back to the Doom level with the walls that are shooting at you, there's that one that was, and I think this was a design error, it would shoot you when you would fall asleep, and it would keep shooting me, and then you would try to use the exit, and you can't exit until all people are on the exit pad. So then I think, yeah, and I think you got in front of me, and then you were asleep, but you kept falling back asleep because he kept getting shot, and Eventually, we had to use the cheat code to we get out of it. We had to use the cheat code. Like, um, the rate of fire was faster than the sleep wore off. So even if you were holding movement, it didn't matter. You were instantly asleep as soon as you woke up because you couldn't. The, the fire was like, pow, 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 pow. Like, you're not getting out of it. I had a ring of magical reflection that didn't ever seem to reflect any spell. So that's when I was like, he's not close enough to the pad to get out because the pad's right next to the sleep thing shooting and i was like well i got this ring of reflection so let me step in front of you and maybe i'll reflect it back and then you can get out but all i did is just end up taking his place and then i think you took my spot again you you got in front of me again and then i tried to discard items to create something to block it um if you were single player and got hit by the sleep wall it's over there was nothing you were going to do. Quit. And that just seemed really bad. That just seemed really poor design. Uh, we used a cheat to just, what, go yeah. to the next level? Next I think? level, slash yeah. next level or something. Because we'd already found the exit and we were right next to it. And so we didn't feel bad about using it. It felt really uh, cheap of a spell attack. Well, Levi, what have we not covered that you got notes on? Okay, well, uh, just want to start out saying that uh, the voxel aesthetic, I never really liked Minecraft particularly um but i really did like the game 3d dot game heroes for the playstation 3 one of my favorite playstation 3 games it's basically zelda using voxels i think they did the art style really art style really well is an atlas published game and i believe it was developed by from software who also did yeah. demon souls so. and they um i mean if i remember right now one too when you destroyed something, they collapsed into their voxels. Exactly. Which this game didn't do, and I felt like, well, if you're going to go for that voxel style, then these guys should die in voxels. That is a good point. I didn't even think about that. 
Uh, as you all mentioned earlier, I didn't think enough of the internals were exposed, uh, such as like the hunger system and eating for health. It, they should need a little progress bar showing like uh, when you're eating, your health going up or something like that. And also with the hunger. Uh, I didn't enjoy the game. I was playing single player, getting very frustrated with it, as people can see on my live stream, until I found out uh, you could enable cheats. So. I have no shame in cheating, so I enabled the cheats, and if you go into the readme file for the game, it has all the cheat codes listed right there, so I just leveled up 50 times, and it was much more enjoyable for me. So. The unfortunate one was no clip is not allowed in um, multiplayer. multiplayer, because there's a room on the temple levels surrounded by lava, except at one spot... There's a little bridge, but it goes to a wall, not a door. And with all the switches, because on that level, you can move switches that move blocks. Okay? And so it's like, is there a switch I'm supposed to throw? And then when Levi was there, I'm like, hey, well, Levi, you got the cheats on. Um, let's just no clip and see, like, am I insane? Is there something in here or is there nothing in there? And it was disappointing. Like, it's a, it's a mystery for the ages now. Um, I thought running got too fast at higher levels, like if you go over 100. Uh, I thought it should asymptotically approach like a static value, so you just don't like press up and go all the way across the room. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, I thought this was really designed to be a multiplayer game. Uh, but the multiplayer system, just getting it set up, was kind of a harass harassment sometimes. Uh, if you went into the public lobby, you couldn't find any games. And we couldn't even figure out how to like start a multiplayer game within Barony itself. No, we had to use Steam's matchmaking every time. Yeah, I had to go in, click your name in my chat window or my buddy window, whatever, then say invite to Barony. Then it all started working after that. I wonder if it's not using, like, whatever Steam's matchmaking service. Well, it is, because it's responding to Steam's chat invites, and then it put yeah. me right in his game. And they have an update talking about They use some other service. I can't remember the name of it. And there's notes uh, on the patch of, like, hey, we're getting rid of, or you can, don't have to use that service anymore. Uh, now we have Steam support. You know, so that was, like, a patch that came out for this game. So as I was getting frustrated with this, I was like, well, I need to look into this a little bit more because it is getting nine out of tens by the community. So I saw the video of people playing multiplayer. That looked like it was a blast. So that's why I invited you guys and got some multiplayer games going. And I think the game almost needed like a warning saying, yeah, this really isn't for single players playing by yourself. And But one thing is, if you go and look at it on the Steam Marketplace, they do have like a discounted four-pack where you buy it for four yes. people. So that might have been a clue that, that I didn't That might have been a clue, yeah. yeah. But also, too, on that is they when you play multiplayer, they don't add more monsters or up the health of the monsters. Like, everybody's at the same level, which means it's kind of balanced around multiple players rather than like a That's single. That's kind of what I figured. And only one person needs to make it out to proceed to the next level. But right. Just if you're the only person you die, that's it. You start over. So, um, so yeah, I found like as a supreme disadvantage playing single players, almost like when I used to play WoW and you try to run a dungeon solo, it just doesn't work. Um, I think a lot of people when I looked at the discussion board, either loved it or hated it. Uh, not much in between. 
a lot of people got frustrated about the difficulty and everything. And you all mentioned Rogue Legacy before, which uh, I thought it was a, a lot like that. You die a lot, but in that game, you're wor- which we mentioned earlier, you're working toward an overall goal of building up these perks uh, to help you along to get further. Although I will say I don't feel like Rogue Legacy, like a, a lot of Rogue games were are tough, but they don't have the, you know, sort of gotcha moments like a boulder. The boulders. Yeah. <laughs> boulders were very frustrating. I uh, also thought it was funner after I learned how to shoot, equip and shoot magic, which we talked about earlier, and you had to use the F key after equipping your spell. Uh, the final boss, the Baron, was still difficult for me at level 115 using the health and mana cheats. Yeah, so, when I saw your cheat playthrough, yeah, like how health, much you were... Slush mana, slush health, slush mana. How much, you know, like he was doing it with the cheat, and still how crazy the Baron was. I was just like, no. There's no way I'm getting to this in a normal playthrough. Now, I did see like a video online. If you have the pickaxe, you can go to a certain part in the Baron's room and like knock down the wall. And there's like a My Little Pony there and the Baron will be attracted to that. So apparently you can shoot him in the back or something. (laughs) That seems like a very explicitly weird, specific. It's like some inside joke or something going on there. Did you use cheats to get down to the Baron? No. Okay. I was curious because I was like, I got nowhere near the Baron. Um, so I used cheat codes to <laughs> spawn the rare weapons and uh, just use those to get all the achievements for the rare weapons in the game, which I thought was kind of unfair, but I'll take free that achievements. Awesome <laughs> yeah, it should have been, I mean, it's a checkbox. So the developer knows you have the checkbox checked, and it should just say, if you check this, achievements are disabled. I've seen that on tons of games. Here's the cheats. They're easy, accessible. Have fun. If you check this, no achievements. Yeah. Right? Until you turn it off. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I didn't find the... There should be a cheater achievement, too, that's hidden. <laughs> exactly. So, like, once you've checked it on once, it pops, and then it's just like, yeah, you're not going to hide that from anyone yeah. now. That's like those zero uh, GP achievements on the Xbox 360. It's like, oh, you cheated. No gamer score yeah. for this. Um, I didn't like the cursed weapons and the appraisal system. I didn't really find that fun at all, but we talked about it a little bit. I think it would have been okay if they just limited it to weapons and armor. Having to appraise an apple or a book just seemed a little bit overboard to me. And like we mentioned earlier, appraisal fails too many times and it takes too long. Um... One thing that I found interesting on one of my solo, my one of my cheater runs, is I got to the pyramid, uh, ancient Egyptian level, and there was a minotaur in there. I was like, okay. But the minotaur was too big to actually fit in the room. So as the minotaur was charging at me, it was like destroying the blocks that were at his head height. So he could actually see it falling apart. It's like, okay, at least they thought about that. And they just didn't have the monitor clipped through the wall. Well, they thought about that except for the starting room. Oh yeah. He can't destroy the starting room. So if he comes in the starting room, he just clips through the ceiling. And then you have like, a monitor and boxers coming at you or something. Cause you just have them from like the waist down. 
Um, one other thing that I thought was irritating, it might have not been a bad uh, design decision, but some of the enemies would go outside what I call their zones. So you would have some enemies that would just, I guess, patrol the whole level pretty much. So I'd go up, read a book, no enemies around, I'm free to read this book, and then a skeleton just like stabs me in the back. Yeah. I was like, where did you come from? I, was I like, had that <laughs> happen a lot when I was in one of those merchant rooms and be like, okay, maybe I'm safe here. Though I am not. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I assume the merchant room. I'm safe. I shouldn't. I I got an attack so many times in the start room, but yeah, I assumed when I was in a merchant that that was safe. I had a big red demon come after me, like on the edge of the merchant room. That was on one of our multiplayer things, and I was like, "Yeah, I got to get out of here," and it's kind of enclosed here. Uh. I thought the game was a little bit too dark, but we mentioned earlier you can get uh, torches to light up the room. But I did turn my gamma all the way up in the settings just so I could see everything is a little bit gray. But I'd rather see than uh, be surprised. I didn't see what the point of the leaderboard is. Every time in my single player game when I died, it's like, oh, you made the top 10. I was like, okay, top 10 from my previous plays. But I thought it would have a little bit more if... I could see how my playthrough stacked up against other players of the world, but I'm sure that they would have had to set up a high score server to do that. Was there a top 10 list for your local game? I mean, did you actually see the top 10 list? Yeah, you, you click on the statistics. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because yeah, okay. I never saw that, and then you just made me remind that. Like, I thought I must have forgot to make the note. I'm like, is that a joke? <laughs> are you just like. Hey, you made it to the top 10. You died on the first floor. You know, like, are you it just was, messing with me? It wasn't a list, but uh, you could just see, oh, here's your number one score. Press next. Here's your number two character score. Here's number three. I don't know how they actually determine the score. I guess it's the value yeah. of all your equipment and gems and everything else. I'd much rather see, like, the equipment you had, the level you made it to, or something like that. Because I had some, like, level ones that were higher in the top ten than my level twos or threes or whatever. Um, so sometimes I thought it had poor level generation where the exit was like right after the beginning area. It looks like they could have figured out how to place the exit a little bit better. Uh, sometimes, um, as we talked about earlier, I liked how in the multiplayer game, you didn't get an instant game over on multiplayer and everyone revives if you make it to the exit, but you got to remember to pick up this important stuff from the other dead player. Um, in the single player game, I wish it would have let you change, or even in the multiplayer game, I wish it would have let you change classes after you started a new game. Yeah. Be yeah. Because it's like, maybe I want to play something different. I want to play cleric every time. And I thought that would have been a little bit better if they could have, uh, let you change not during the game, but after you, uh, die. Uh, as we talked about earlier, I thought boulders, boulders were a cheap, cheap death. Um, I did like the fact that other players could carry your items into the next level and give it back to you if you die. Oh, one other gripe that I had, and this may be because I'm, I was a big World of Warcraft player. I like seeing the HP meters of the other characters in your party. Because like, oh, Mike's about dead, but I don't know. Yeah, Dylan's no about dead. I don't know if I should heal him or not. And as we found out later, if you do have the healing spell, that is like an area of effect type thing. So if I hit you... With with the spell, healing spell, and I've, I'm near you, then we both get healed. So I thought that was a nice feature. 
Uh, we talked about friendly fire for uh, spells. And uh, and we also talked a little bit about it when I was playing multiplayer. Sometimes I wasn't sure, should we go to the next level immediately or should we try to scout out the whole level to f- find all the equipment? And we talked about that earlier. Sometimes it's more beneficial to get the best equipment before you proceed because that will aid you later on in the game. So that's all I had for Bernie. All right. I, I think it wraps up our analysis on Bernie. Um, you can play Barony. Uh, I think Barony the Game is the dot com uh, is the website, um, and because it's, it's Steam, but it's a number of platforms. Any game is a number of platforms you can watch for sales if you want to pick this up. And um, you know, I can't say that this isn't um, uh, this isn't a must play, but it, you know, it's worth picking up and and messing around uh, with. But maybe you get it on sale, or maybe you get a four pack on sale, and then you can play with your uh, friends on that. So uh, to take us out here, uh, Dylan, anything you want to plug going on where people find you? Nah, uh, nothing specific I want to plug, but you know, DylanWolf.com and DylanWolf on Twitter. All right. I'm sure you have, Levi, you got things. No, well, I actually don't have that much. You don't have that month. much. Uh, LeviDSmith.com. Uh, I do have an article that was featured on the front page of Gama Sutra, so check that out on the post-mortem of the game that I developed for Ludum Dare, which was Ancient Adventure, which you can check out on itch.io, geotechgrad.itch.io. So if you want to read my stream of consciousness about how I developed that game, it can be a little bit dry but uh, you can check that out and always I'm GA Tech Grad on Twitter and Levi D. Smith Games on Facebook alright uh, you can find me Vinyl V-I-N-U-L-L on all things the Twitter the dot com uh, the itch.io um, right now I think we got going on here is the um, the Let's Play channel these are video games still going around doing that uh, my Barony Let's Play uh, is going up as we speak. I got over myself my my difficult decision of like oh, I don't want to like do the Barony Let's Play before, but I found it really helpful to like play it myself, have some opinion about it, and then go watch other people's playthroughs to sort of like wait. I'm missing some obvious things, and I want to know that before I play the game because that has greatly changed my impact. And I'd rather do that than come here and go. Oh, well, the game's terrible for never have told me that, you know? Um, so um, that's going up there. Uh, and I think I'll go ahead and post the Levi. Levi has on his channel his view. Yes. Uh, and I think I'll go ahead and just put my view of our multiplayer games. It's like three, three hours games. long. It's good banter in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may, I may just put it all up. I don't know. I may just not commit to any editing um, getting on there. Since it's already up there anyway, I don't have to worry about, like, you know, hey, Levi, did you say anything during our banter? But I think we both said we were recording before we started anyway. Yeah. So, because um, I was testing out my recording rig to record with, like, Discord set up and everything like that. Um, so that's going up there right now. Uh, Dragon's Dogma that I had talked about, that should be going up um, this week or next. I got to look at what uh, the schedule is. But uh, Dragon Dogma that I talked about and the adventures of Punky Brewster and her dog Brandon um, will be making the channel. Also... On the channel right now going up is St. Troll the Fourth. Uh, uh, John played that, and it was his first time playing that. So a lot of the early videos that when I'm talking more game design than I sh- probably should be for a Let's Play channel, because I just can't help talking about game design on that game and how many things are good on that game. Uh, I should be, you know, making jokes and being irreverent and referencing memes. 
but uh, you know, sometimes you know, you just start talking game design. Um, so yeah, there's that going on. Uh, the London Dare, you can play Cave Escape, uh, an experience being lost in a cave uh, with only a cell phone that has no signal um, at uh, vinyl, vinul.itch.io. H-I-O. And I think that's all I got. So our game next week, uh, sorry, not next week, Whew, not next week, next month, uh, Scary October, uh, Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Um, just a heads up, it's a horror game, but it's not a jump scare horror game. So it's going to build its horror through atmosphere uh, and plot and suspense that way. Um, and I just say that, you know, because like if you like don't like jump scares or... Um, they, they can actually really upset certain types of people like, Hey, I really just get uneasy and, um, or anxiety triggers or things like that. Um, this doesn't have that, but it can be also much more effective horror to like, you know, this is the not showing the monster horror type of horror where, you know, uh, this is the first Cloverfield of you never get to see, you know, the monster attacking because that can be worse than ever actually seeing the monster because uh, then that becomes something um, real that you can then start like, well, we could just shoot planes at it or tanks will take it down, you know, but when it's the unknown um, and these games have done that very well. So I'm looking forward to playing that. I have played the game. I love the game, so I'm going to be pretty positive on it, I guess, because it's going to be hard to go back and replay it um, and be as nitpicky when I put it in my really good indie game column already. It's going to be a uh, weird podcast. It is. It's going to have someone on here that's like, It yeah. is. And also, um, I, I foresee apologizing for a lot of mechanics coming to... Uh, because it definitely has an, a time in which it exists that it's probably not aging well. It's probably not a game that aged well. And so uh, if you do choose to play along with us, my, my recommendation is in there, is to go at and understand this helped launch indie horror back into what it is today uh, and that genre up, which is almost kind of at the played out end, I think. Uh, we may see a dial down in, in indie horror uh, titles because they've gotten so derivative of each other. Um, even the jump scare, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's games have, have really just sort of like mined that for all it's worth. And we're going to need a, a period of leaving it so somebody can come back and reinvent it and bring it up to date. So, uh, that's all I got. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. You can find us iTunes, you can find us, uh, YouTube, you can find us, um, what's the Google thing? Google Play? Google Play. Thank you. No one uses it anyway. All right. Ooh, look at that. I'm going to get upset Google comments. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. See you next episode.